Last week we talked about, in this series, we talked about really handling money God's way and sort of God's way being bigger than our ways and beyond the numbers and what it meant. If you haven't caught up to that, I'd encourage you to go, go to the podcast on iTunes or, 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 uh, or SoundCloud or you can just go straight to our website and listen to it right there. And it's a great place for you to sort of catch up. And then last week we talked about being intentional in our generosity with tithing and, and our legacy offering and, and that we'll, we'll take in December just a chance to move the vision of our church forward faster. We just... You know, God's going to accomplish his vision. I really believe that. But we, we get the opportunity to sort of decide the pace of that and how, you know, how fast we can move ahead the vision that God has given us. And so we're going to do that in our legacy offering. And then your tithing, you know, many of you, that's sort of the, the floor. That's the foundation of being intentional in how that you give to God, just returning to God what belongs to him, what he said was holy. And that's the, the first 10% of what you make your tithe belongs to God and and then we talked about acts of kindness and sort of what it meant to have you been using those you've been using these little cards everywhere everybody I want you to go I want you to when you leave today there's thousands of them out there and I've told our team if somebody says no put it in their back pocket when they walk by like literally I want you to have I want you to have a that'd be weird nobody's gonna touch you in your back pocket I, I, I want you to have a ton of these cards I really do and every time you go to a drive-thru I want you to buy somebody's one you don't have to say anything when you go to the restaurant leave a big tip the biggest tip you've ever left just put a card on top of there and I really want you to be generous, not just here. I want you to be generous out there. The Bible said that's where, that matter of fact, the Bible says that they would see your good deeds, that there were people who were watching how you lived your life, and, they, and then they would look to God. They would glorify God because of how you lived your life, and I hope that you do that. And then we said the biggest way, obviously, to, to just sort of live generously is to bring somebody to church. There's nothing more generous than inviting people to church. This is sort of the, the passage we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. It's found in Haggai says, now this is what God says, the Lord Almighty says. It says, give careful thought to your ways. I want you to think about what you're doing, and this is why. Because some people, some people maybe in this room, this is sort of how we've handled our financial life. We've planted much, and we've harvested little. We eat, and we never have enough. I think that's my problem with my waistline as well. We eat and never have enough. We drink, and we never have our fill. We put on clothes, but we aren't warm. And then this is sort of where some of us live. We earn wages and I feel like every time I put my paycheck in my pocket, I got a hole in it. Like there's a purse with holes in it, and I just can't ever seem to get ahead. And so this is what God says in light of sort of that life. And really, that's where most Americans live their life. They're just never enough, never full, never enough money. It never seems like I get ahead. In light of that, it says, there's another way to think. I want you to give careful thought to that. I want, I want, Billy Graham said it this way, that if, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, that it will straighten out almost every other area of his life. How many of you, know, how many of you are married and you know that money fights? Come on, somebody. All my married people, you know you do. That you're scared to raise your hand right now because you're fighting about money right now. That 61% of all, of all divorces are, 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 have their root in money, like a money fight. Nothing fights like money fights. you got a spender and you got a saver. If you're married, just look straight at me and don't look at your spouse. You, you, you just, everything just, it impacts every area of your life. Honestly, your health, you know, I'm stressed out about it. Your sleep, you, I can't sleep. Every area of my life, and if I get this right then really there's some freedom everywhere. And that's really my hope for you is, is I want to give you, I want to give you a freedom. And it's because I don't think most people are stingy. I think most people are strapped. I really do believe that. I think most, I think most of you in this room want to live a life of generosity and be generous with, with what God's given you. I just think you don't know how because you're strapped. Because we've just got ourselves in a mess and I don't know how to get out of that. And really that's my prayer for you. It's why this series is called Life, Money, and Hope because I want you to give careful thought to what you're doing, and then I want to give you some hope to get out of that. Like, this is why Jesus talked about money so much. Matter of fact, he talked about it five times more. There are five times more verses about money and possessions than there are about prayer in your Bible. 
Jesus told 38 parables and 16 of them were about money. It's just because God knew, like, there's nothing in your life that will mess up sort of everything else in your life, like how, you know, how you feel about finances and generosity and what you do with that. And really my hope for you today and my hope for you every day is that you find hope and freedom today. And really that's, as your pastor, like, that's, that's my job is, is to point you to hope, like, wherever you come, whatever you're facing today. And today is the last message of this series, and it's about money, and it's really not. It's about every area of your life because... I think that sort of every area of our life is affected this way. But let me, let me sort of give you some, some foundational as it relates to money. Specifically about debt. Debt is sort of, the, it's such an issue in today's world. And there's some people that maybe you're in the room today and you just, you know the compiling, you know, problem of debt in your life. It's student loans and then credit cards that you use to pay off the student loans. And then you took a loan to pay off the credit card to pay off the student loans. And then the credit card you lived on when you were going to college with the student loans. And then, you know, you're 30 years old and there's $50,000 worth of debt behind you. Or maybe it was just saying yes to a car that you weren't supposed to. Maybe you spent, you know, too much. And the reason all that was, it, the, honestly, it's because we live in sort of a right now society. You know what I mean? I want what I want, and I want it right now, everybody. But growing up, I'm from that old school. How many of y'all knew when I grew up, we had Kmart? All my Kmart people, where you at? We didn't have Target. Bougie people go to Target. We went to Kmart. Come on. And at Kmart, my mama used to use the layaway. Where are you at on layaway? Everybody on that layaway. And let me, let me tell you, some of you under 40, you don't even have a clue what layaway is. Let me tell you how this works in layaway. I would go pick out what I wanted. I think they started Christmas layaway at like Easter. I don't know what it was. But I remember mom, she would take my brother and I, and we would go, and we would literally pick out like what we wanted for Christmas. I was too dumb to figure out that she was Santa Claus at this particular time, what was going on. But we would, we would point to all this stuff, and I want all this. And then mom would put all that stuff on layaway, and they would literally take it out of, like they would go get my bicycle and they would take it off the floor and they'd put it in this magical warehouse. And my mom would pay a dollar a week or whatever this thing was, you know what I mean, for, for, for the next 27 weeks. And then, and then at Christmas time or at the end of the year, we were able to get that thing out. And it's crazy because once we paid it off, it was still brand new, everybody. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. Nowadays, when I pay something off, it's used up. You know what I'm saying? By the time I finally pay it off, I'm like, I'm done with this. I pay Like, you, you ever pay off a car, and the day you send the last car payment in, it breaks down. Come on, where you at, everybody? That's, what, that's just what happens. But back in the day, boy, we had that layaway. We'd put that stuff in, and I'd get it out. And the reason why is because I'm, I'm impatient. Like, I want it right now. I don't want to wait for it back then. I, I want it right now. I want to put it on my credit card. I want it right now. And I don't think this is God's best for you. I really don't think. And, and the reason is because I think that we do these sort of things to get in, you know, in trouble in our life. And we do it financially, but we really do it in every other area of our life. Listen close. It's this impatience that says, I want it right now. I want a relationship right now. Well, it's the wrong one. It doesn't matter. I want to be in a relationship. I want a girlfriend right now. I want a boyfriend right now. I want a husband right now. I want a wife right now. I want a house right now. I want a car right now. I want sex right now. Whatever the thing is, it's the impatience of this is what I want right now. And so every sort of area of our life we sort of get into trouble starts with the idea of I need it right now and nobody's going to tell me no. And so my prayer for you over the next half an hour or so is a preacher is really finding sort of hope in that. And the, the, the good news is, let me go ahead and give you the end of the story. I think there's a way out. I really do. Where, whatever desperate area of your life today, I think it's the same sort of step, whether it's financial or, or, it's, or it's in your marriage or a relationship or any other area of your life. I think it's the same steps that get you into trouble and it's the same steps that get you out of trouble. Let me help you with that today. And I'm going to do it with a story that Jesus told in Luke. Luke, the 15th chapter, starts like this. There was a man who had two sons. If you've been around church for a while, this is called the prodigal son. 
There's a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. And so the, the father divided his property, both of them, so they both got their, their, their share of it prior to when they were supposed to. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he decided to go somewhere else, a distant country, far away from dad's house. And there he squandered his wealth in, underline this, this in your notes, wild living. And after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. When, when growing up in church, I always thought that the, the wild living that he was talking about, I thought he went to Vegas. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, like I, thought, I thought it was just, I thought it was parties. I thought it was girls. I thought it was drinking. I thought it was gambling. I thought it was just the biggest thing in the world. But the, really, the more I look about that wild living, I don't think it was necessarily all of that stuff. I just think it was living without intention, like just spending his life on stuff that doesn't matter. And I don't care where you are or, or, or what story that you have or where you come from. There's going to come a time in your life when you look back and you're going to go, man, I didn't have any boundaries. I just lived any way. And, and honestly, I just did whatever I wanted, spent my life, my gifts, my talents, or maybe my money on wild living. And then here's the, st- here's the stuff they don't tell you when you're 21 years old, that there's a famine coming, everybody. That at some point in your life, you're going to reach to a, to a famine and there's just going to be a problem that shows up. And, and there are going to be choices, and, and those choices that you've made have sort of come home to you, and now you look around and you go, man, what am I going to do now? Like there's a famine, and I don't have anything that I had. But, but I love how God uses this. God uses those famine moments to sort of get our attention and point us in a new direction. All the time, I, I'm, I'm faced with it. There's so many times in my life as a pastor where people come to me and they go, would you ask God to help me? Would you pray with me about something to, to go away? That I got myself into. You know what I'm trying to say? You know that maybe you've done that. God, I need you to help me out of this. Now I know I got myself into this, but I need you to help me out of this. Now here's what I here's what I want to say. I don't, but here's what I usually want to say. It could be that God sort of got you to this place in the famine so that he could get your attention and stop the wrong direction that you're going, everybody. You ever looked around in your life and things were kind of falling apart and you thought, man, maybe this is God's way to get my attention. Maybe this is God's way to stop everything. And the reason I'm preaching to you, honestly, this this message today and ending this series this way, is because if you're not in a famine now, I I, I just know this about life. There's one on the horizon. There's going to be a tough time. There's going to be one phone call that changes everything. There's going to be that one, you know, that one doctor visit that you you had no idea. And, And now, and now, now, now we're in a famine. And now, what are we going to do? I, I don't have any boundaries. I didn't make any. I didn't. And, and so, and so the story continues on Luke 15. So he went and he hired himself to a citizen of the country. He says, "I'm going to get myself out of this." And and the citizen of that country sent him to his field to feed pigs. And you got to understand, this is a Jewish story about Jewish people. There's nothing lower in his life than being around pigs. There's nothing lower in Jewish custom than pigs. So really, what the Bible sort of in this parable, he's saying, this is the lowest point he could possibly be. And maybe you're there today. Like, this is the lowest I could possibly be. And he longed to fill his stomach. He said, maybe I'll just eat what it is they're eating, but nobody gave him anything. And, and so in his famine, he tries to find his own way out. He says, maybe I'll do it this way. And here's, honestly, I believe this about the enemy of your soul. I really think the devil would get you into it. Like, his number one plan for you is to get you to the lowest part of your life. Like, if he could, I think it's plan for everybody in here is to get your marriage in a pig pen, get your relationships in a pig pen, get your finances there. I really think that's the, that's the enemy's plan in your life is to get you as low as you possibly can. Because when you get low like that, it's amazing the decisions you start making because you get in such a place. But you didn't get there all along. Like, you, you know, it, you didn't just get that way. You didn't just get in a pig pen overnight. 
You didn't just sort of mess up your marriage or messed up your finances or messed up morally or messed up relationally. It took a steps. I really believe it's why our church is built on journey and, 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 and taking a spiritual journey. Because I really think every area of your life is really a process. I don't think anybody ever just wakes up and things are bad. And nobody wakes up and goes, man, I think I'm going to ruin my marriage today. I'm going to ruin my life today. I think I'm going to get addicted today. I think, I think today's the day I'm going to throw it all away. Or, or, you know, I don't think anybody does that. I think you, talk, you take steps to get to that way. And let me sort of give you what I think those are if you're taking notes. Here's the first step to that. The first thing you do is believe a lie. You start believing what somebody else told you. The prodigal son starts believing I'm better off outside of dad's house. You know, I'm better off on my own. I think I can do this on my own. And, and here, the truth of the matter is if you start living a lie like it was truth, then you face the same consequences as though it were true. Let me say that again. If you'll believe a lie and live a lie as though it was the truth, then you, you end up facing the same consequences. As the, so in other words, it wasn't true that this prodigal son could, didn't have an inheritance. Didn't have, it wasn't true that the father didn't want him in his house. But he started believing that lie that it was better off over there. So now he's faced to live the consequences of the lie that he believed as though it was true. And in, in your marriage, this is what the enemy will do to you. You'll start believing a lie that he's better than what you're married to. That she's better than what you, that the grass is greener on the other side, everybody. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little, listen close. Let me give you a little something about the grass being greener on the other side. It may very well be greener on the other side of your fence, but you don't ever see the water bill of those people. In other words, you don't ever see the cost that, that, that it takes to sort of get what it is they've got. As a matter of fact, most of the time it's fake over there. It's astroturf. You know what I'm trying to say? It's not, it's not even real. You're, it's not, you, ever, you ever thought, man, it's going to be better over there. And then you get over there and you realize this whole thing ain't even real. Uh, my neighbor's this way. My, my, my neighbor's yard, is just, it looks impeccable. Look, my yard's full of all weeds and all grubby whatnots. And I'm like, man, I look terrible. I'm on my back porch the other day and Brandy and I, and she's like, why does their yard look, look so good? And they got all these nice you know, planters all around and these beautiful flowers. And I was like, baby, those are silk. There's not, there's a, they're, they're fake. Like It's not even what you think that it is. And there's some people who sort of decided in your life, I'm going to go over to the other side. You get to the other side and you realize, man, it's not even what I thought it was at all. Like you just start believing a lie and you start thinking that you know, that's, what, that's what you're going to do. And as it relates to money, there are a ton of lies that people believe. Matter of fact, I found this study the other day that I had to tell you this study. It absolutely blew me away. It's called The Day America Told the Truth. And here's the question that they asked. It's, a, it's an honest story of USA Today. It says, what would you do for $10 million? And this is the story they ask Americans. And here's the answers. True story. 25% of Americans said for $10 million they would abandon their entire family. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week for $10 million. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 10% said they wouldn't testify against someone they knew had committed a murder. They would allow that murder to go free for $10 million. 7% said they would kill, they would murder a complete stranger for $10 million. And then 3% said they would put your, their, their own children up for adoption for $10 million. Now, just let me give you a caveat. That number's been higher in my life some weeks. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, all the parents in the room. Like, there's been some times when this was about 93%. You ain't got to pay me nothing. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm down on this one. But Y'all know. You just, it, it, losing your morality and losing everything that you got and prostitution and murder. Why? For money. 
for, for the idea that, that money sort of solves. And here's the reason. The root cause of all that is by and large, people are self-absorbed and they just want what I want. The Bible word for that is pride, everybody. It just leaves us vulnerable to believing lies. We start thinking, man, the rules don't apply to me. And then, and really, more than that, more than believing the lies, I really think the number one thing pride is wrong, why it's wrong in your life and my life, is because it puts you in opposition to God's best for you. Because I think God's got something incredible for your life. I think God's got blessing for you and God's got the best for you. But when there's pride in your way, you sort of, you block what that happens. You block God's ability to bless you and, and do things that he wants to do inside your life. So, so if, if you go backwards from all the bad stuff in your life, I think you'll always bump into pride. If you, if, you, if you go backwards from all the destructive decisions you made, from marriage problems, from money problems, from, from relationship problems, I think if you walk backwards from there, you'll always run into pride. I think it's the first thing. You start believing a lie. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 16. It says, pride goes before destruction. It goes before destruction. So before you sort of run into the place where you don't have anything else, it probably started with pride. And an arrogance, or, or what the Bible calls a haughty spirit, goes before a fall. Arrogance and pride always precede that. And so you start believing a lie, and then the second step that you take is you start engaging in self-destructive behavior. Once you believe a lie, you'll start doing stuff. You'll start mismanaging the way you handle money and, and, and you know, spending on stuff you shouldn't and mismanaging how you handle your whole life. And this is sort of that idea that the prodigal son, the, the younger son, he spent all that he had on wild living. It really wasn't about what he was doing. It was just there was no boundaries at all. There was just no boundaries there. And there's, you know, everything in my life, just I can do whatever I want. And then you start justifying all of the reasons why that you're in the problem that you're in. And, 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 and here's what we say, I just can't help myself. Or I deserve this. Or, or, or what harm could this do? It's not that bad at all. Or, or really, here's the one that always gets me. I'm not hurting anybody else. It's my business. I can do what I want. Usually, this is the one that people say when they realize that other people are hurting. And they look around and, you know, when there's, when there's carnage everywhere, and when I'm counseling your kids because of a decision you made that you thought didn't hurt anybody else. And, and, and it starts from the idea of pride that I can just do whatever I want. Proverbs 14 says there's a way of life that looks harmless enough when you look at it, but if you look again, it's, 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 it's hell. And, and there's some folks that are living sort of right there in that hell today. And the reason why is because you just you start thinking, man, this is harmless. Nothing doesn't really matter. Everybody can do I can just do whatever I want. I can have whatever car I want. I, I got to have this right now. I got to have this girl. I got to have this car. I got to have this thing. I got to have this house. I got to buy this right now. And now I'm in the middle of this destructive behavior mismanaging. And then you sort of go from destructive behavior. Here's the third step. Then you start isolating yourself from the people who can help you the most. This one always blows my mind as a pastor when I look around at people and, and, and their lives are in a mess and they're struggling and you know finances are messed up and marriage is messed up and kids are messed up and there's addictions, there's problems. The first thing they do is quit coming to church. I always found that so funny. Why would you isolate yourself from the very thing that can help you? Well, like where, where hope is. Where, but they push everybody away, push church away, push friends away, push family away. And here's what they tell themselves. I don't owe anybody an explanation. No, nobody understands me. You're the only one that's ever gone through that. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. I don't need any people. I don't need people anyway. Like I, I, this doesn't matter to me or I can handle this on my own. And this is the reason why our church is so big on, on connect groups. Honestly, it really is. Proverbs 18 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, and he breaks out against all sound judgment. This is the reason why connect groups are so big to us. It's the reason why I'm going to tell you about it for the next month and a half, because I really do think 
That you find freedom in your life in the context of relationships. That you won't remember what I preached to you on Tuesday or Wednesday. Hopefully you'll write some of it down. But you won't remember the stuff that you learned in rows like this. But you will remember the last conversation you had that changed your life. That you told the truth. That you opened, you sort of took the mask off. And you told somebody, hey, I'm struggling here. My marriage is in, in shambles. Or, hey, our life is really, really messed up right now. Hey, we're in debt. Like, we don't know how we're going to get out of this. You take that mask off. That's why groups are so important because I want you to get around some other believers who over the course of 13 weeks, at some point, somebody's just going to say, hey, man, y'all got to pray for me. I need some help right now and not get isolated. Then when you isolate yourself, here's the the fourth thing that happens. Then you end up finding yourself in this really terrible, dark place. This This is usually where people come to church. As they find themselves in this dark place, now the prodigal son is starving to death. He finds himself in a dark place, but he doesn't end up in the dark place just overnight. It's just progression that gets him there. He, he believes these lies, and then, he, and, then, and then he's involved in self-destructive behaviors. Then he isolates himself. I don't want to see people. I just, I'll go with the pigs. I just want to be all alone. And now he's all alone, and there's a famine there. He's in this terrible, dark place, and you feel like the, way too many people. Listen, there are people in this room that you're in a dark place financially here. You just feel like you're in over your head. You don't know how to, how to get out of that. Here's what Psalm said. David was in that way. He said, you've made my friends to loathe me. David had committed adultery on his wife, cheated with somebody, and then had the woman that he cheated with had her husband killed. And th- that put you in a dark place, everybody. Come on. And he said, you've made my friends to loathe me, and I've gone away, and now I'm in a trap with no way out. And this is where some people feel like they are financially, or, or, maybe, or maybe in your marriage, or... Maybe morally, maybe inside of an addiction. I want to get out. I still know how. Like we want to, we want to work our way out of this with pills or with alcohol. We want to work our way out of this with, with our marriage or, or with, you know, we want to work our way out of this financially. Like we just, I've said yes so much. Pride allowed me to say, I, I want it and I want it right now. And, and now here we are in this terrible dark place. And I feel like, and let me just be honest. Listen close. Everybody look in my eyes. Listen to me. I want to dedicate this message to everybody who feels like this is where you are. That you feel like you're in a trap and there's just no way out. That, you, that you've, you've, you've tried literally every other way you know how to sort of work the numbers and work, them and, and work a relationship and, and do the thing, everything that you can do. This message is dedicated to you. I, I, want, I, want, I want you to know there's a way out. I, I want you to know that as long as God's involved, there's always a way out. Matter of fact, Psalm says it this way, that the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. And he sees those who, listen, look, look, who've lost all hope. I have a, a five and a half year old little girl, almost six years old. We ha- had a little girl first before I had a little boy. And I don't know when hormones take over in a little girl. In my world, they're about five years old. Come on, somebody. I don't know if that's normal, everybody. If you're a psychologist, come talk to me afterwards. But my little girl, she'll just be crying for nothing. She'll just be sad. I'll come home from work and she'll just be over there just crying. Just kind of, she'll, she'll pull the covers up over her head. Can't just sit on the couch, just cry. You're going to have a little girl. You're going to know. She, and just cry. And I'll look at Brandon. I was, what did you do? I don't know. I didn't do anything. She's crying. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, you know, I, what are we going to do? And here's the first thing we do, Henry. When, when your baby's crying, when, the, when something's wrong, I get close to her. I Come here, let me hold you. Come here, come sit in daddy's lap. And usually it's, you know, something terrible. You know, her brother's over there eating dirt. There's no problem, laughing, no idea. And, 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 she's, and she's crying. Here's what you do when your, kids are, when your kids are low. You get close. Come on, everybody. You don't just, you don't get on the other side of the room and say, hey, what's wrong with you, little girl? No, 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 I'm going to get close to her. And the Bible says that's what God will do to you. He'll get close to those. 
Like he, he, won't, he won't be distant and let you sort of go through this on your own. He said, let me come stand right beside you. Won't you come stand right here? And I'll walk with you through this. And, and really that's where, I'll, if you don't hear anything else I hear, if you feel like you're in a trap, I really want you to hear that. First Corinthians says, all that you need to remember is that God will never, 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 I love this translation, never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always, always, always be there to help you come through it. Like that you're not in a trap that I know you feel like that you are. And, and so here's where, here's where this prodigal son's at. And Luke 15, back to the story, he says, the Bible says in verse 17, he came to his senses and he said, what am I doing here? There's people in my father's house who have food to spare and here I am starving to death. There are people who are slaves for him. There's this progression that got him into trouble and there's going to be a progression that got him out. Listen to me very closely. You didn't get in trouble overnight and you're not going to get out of trouble overnight. When people come to me and they go, Pastor, listen, do you think we can fix this this weekend? Look at my eyes. No. You didn't mess up, Joker, over the weekend. We can't fix this over the weekend. It took, it took steps to get you in this financial trouble or in this marriage problem or in this deal. It's going to take some steps to get you out of that. Now, it just, just like you can't, you know, I, I want it right now. You can't have it right now. There's some miracles you're going to have to put on layaway, everybody. Shout amen to that. There's some stuff you're going to have to pay on till you get it out. I'm preaching good right now. There's some stuff you're going to have to keep investing in, keep praying for, keep fixing, and keep walking your way into your deliverance. And shout amen to that, everybody. So let me give you some steps out. I gave you some steps in. Here's the first thing you got to do. If you're going to get out, you got to acknowledge the reality of where you are. You got to get super honest. You got to get super honest about it. You can't keep lying to yourself. You can't keep putting things under the mat. You got to get honest. You got to tell her about everything you've bought. You got to tell her about that new gun, the new hunting bow, the new deer lease. You got to tell her about that car. You got to tell him about your mad money. You got to be honest if you're going to get out of financial ruin. You got to be honest about your marriage. Look, this is where we really are. I don't like you. I don't think you like me. You ain't acting like you've liked me a long time you got to get honest you got to get honest I, I sat down with somebody not long ago who said I, I don't know if I have a drinking problem I said just ask somebody close to you they'll know you just got to get honest you just, just got to this is where I really am if you're going to get out, David sort of is in that in that spot. He's it, David gets completely. David's been caught. He 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 has an affair with Bathsheba. Then he has Bathsheba's husband killed. So try to cover it all up. And he gets caught. And and somebody you know he goes to church and and the and the prophet sort of put, you know points his finger and says you're the guy. This is what happens. And Psalms 51. This is where he's at. He says I've been out of step. He goes to God and he goes, listen God, I've been out of step with you for a long time. Listen, be honest with you. I've been this way since I was born. Now David is low everybody David said God I've been a sinner for a very long time I'm done lying about it what you're after is the truth from the inside out and that's that's really what my prayer for you is that at some point you're just going to go to God and go listen I've been wrong for a long time I'm just going to be honest about this I need some help right here I, God I'm not going to hide this from you anymore you knew anyway where I was you got to acknowledge where you are. And then the second thing is you got to get a plan of attack, everybody. You got to start making a plan. You got to start making a plan of how to get out of this. Can God work a miracle overnight? You bet He can. But more often than not, He's going to use you. He's going to ask you for a plan. How are we going to get out of debt? How are we going to stop spending? How are we going to get out of this ruin? How, how, what are we going to sell? What are we going to do in our marriage? What are we going to do in this relationship? How are we going to get out of this addiction? What's the plan of attack? Here's what it says in Luke. He says, he came to his senses. He said, I got to get back. He said, I'm going to go back to my father. That's my plan of attack. That's what I'm going to do. 
And here's what I'm going to say to him. Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so just make me like one of your hearts. It's not enough to just acknowledge your stuff. It's not enough to just know. You're going, it's not a, listen close. It's not enough to just have a God moment in service. I grew up believing I could have this one moment inside of a church service that I could, I could you know, pray all of the guilt off of me. I could, if I cried enough, if I had this emotional experience enough that I could get it off of me, the problem with that was is it never changed my life and it never changed yours. That one moment in God's presence, may, it, it, may, it may forgive you of your sins. It may, you, may, you may go back to God and God completely forgives you, but that doesn't mean you don't have to have a plan to go back and get out of this, everybody. You gotta have a plan of attack. You gotta decide here's what I'm gonna do. Here's how I'm gonna get out of that. Proverbs says a prudent person, he foresees danger and takes precautions. But if you're simple, you're just gonna blindly keep going on and on, and you're gonna suffer the consequences of that. You gotta get a plan to get out of where you are. If you're in debt, you gotta get a plan. Get get to Dave Ramsey. Get 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 inside of a financial small group this this semester. As a matter of fact, lead one. If you're in debt over your eyeballs, I want you to lead a financial small group. Get a book study. We'll go through it together. You say, well, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, neither does anybody else in your group. So get a group and get a book and say, let's get this together. Let's get a plan together. If it's something else, you get a counselor. There's some great counselors that attend our church, some Christian counselors. That, listen, get, get some help in your marriage. Get some, get, get some help out of an addiction. You just got to get a plan of attack, everybody. You got to write it down. You got to say, here's how we're going to take some steps if we're ever going to get out of this mess that we found ourselves in, everybody. We're going to have to get out. Of the mess. And here's the last thing, and, and, and I'll let you go. We'll close. Listen close. You got to just get it done today. You got to do it right now. You got to do it right now. There's just no better way. Our, our, our team, our staff was in, when, uh, went on a conference together this week, and, and we were talking about uh, like a staff pool, our, our, our lead team pool for weight loss. And listen close. I, I, I wish it worked like on the commercials where I could just take one pill and you know what I'm saying? Like it all works. But I've been working on this with a lot of Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have to work on it. It's going to be a process to get out of it. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't happen overnight. It's not going not to go away overnight. That stuff doesn't work. You don't, you don't get overnight success that way, everybody. You're just going to have to decide to do it now. Like when are we going to start? Today. We're just going to start Today. Luke 15 says, so he got up and he goes to his father. But while he was still a long way off, here's my favorite part of the whole story. While he was a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, this is the prayer I've, 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 I've already rehearsed. He said, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the last thing you got to do. You got to humbly ask your father for help. If you're, if you're in a bind today, like the biggest hope I could give you, I know you went into this money series thinking, you know, I don't know what you thought, honestly. What are we going to talk about? How are we going to get out of this? But honestly, this is all I got for you. Like you're going to have to go to God for help. You're going to have to go to God. To, is counseling good? Yes, you ought to get in it. Everybody. Everybody. Is, is, is a financial group good? Yes, you ought to get in it. Is, is yes whatever, the, whatever you're thinking yes but at the end of the day you're going to have to go to God for help First Peter says it this way that God opposes the proud he didn't say that he wouldn't help you he said he would stand in your way but he shows favor to the humble 
He says, in light of that, humble yourselves under God's hand. That He may lift you up, not overnight, listen close, in due time, when the process is over, when we've worked the plan. But in the meantime, while the plan's still working, you can cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. But you're going to have to go back to God. Humility, listen close, positions you for the blessing of God in your life. Humility positions you. Going back to the Father and saying, God, i got to have some help here. Like I, I gotta, And my favorite part of this is that God was waiting on Him. Listen, everybody stand. Take somebody by the hand. Come on, do it real quick. Everybody all over the room. Put your arm around somebody you came to church with or take them by the hand, but, but don't close your eyes yet. Look them in the eyes. Listen. My favorite part of the story is that God was waiting. The Father was waiting on His Son to come. Look at my eyes. Listen to me. I wonder if every day he didn't go out and go, is today the day? Like I know there's a famine. I know they're in a tough spot. I know he can't keep living this way. Is today the day? And here's my question for you. Look, is today the day? Is today the day that you finally give up and you say yes? Is today the day you surrender all of that stuff? The financial trouble, the, the, the debt, the, uh, but, but everything else. My marriage, my dreams, my hope, my kids, my addiction. Everything in my life that's out of... It just feels like it's in a mess right now. Is today the day? Is today the day you'll come home? So bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody's looking around unless you brought somebody that needs to give their heart to Jesus. Nobody's looking. If that's you, if you find yourself in that situation, maybe just needing hope. Maybe the last three weeks you've been thinking, man, he's talking to me. Like I just feel like we're drowning right now. I don't know how to get out of this. And really not even just my finances, but really every area of my life, I feel like I'm just overwhelmed. If that's you, I just want you to know there's hope today. There's hope today, but you got to come home. you, you got to go back to the thing that, that you left. you got to go back to God and go, God, here's my mess. Here's the problem. Here's my stuff. Here's my fight. Here's, I did all this. God, help me to walk back out of all of this. I acknowledge this is where I'm at. Matter of fact, let me help you pray. I can't pray this for you. But let me pray this with you. Why don't you pray this your own way, maybe out loud, or just if you want to whisper this prayer, pray it in your heart. Say, God, I need you today. God, I've sinned against heaven. That's what he said. He said, I've sinned. God, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness today. Like in my marriage, in my finances, in every area of my life, I'm a sinner. And I need you to wash me and cleanse me and forgive me today. Come on, I want you to ask him. God, I repent of all of that stuff that I've done that, led me to this place but I'm turning around today I surrender that's really the the crux of the matter I'm surrendering all of this to you today giving it all to you would you forgive me would you wash me come on tell him that God would you make me whole today I give you my whole life I repent of all of my sins I put my faith in you to fix this nobody else can fix what's wrong with me but you so fix me today be the Lord of my life today I turn my whole life to you in Jesus name Come on, say it with all of your heart. Say, in Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen. amen. Come on, let's give God praise all over the house, everybody.